TBA, how are y'all? Good, awesome. Well, my name is Dave Shive. I'm one of the pastors here at TBA. It's an honor to be with you this morning. We're going to continue in our series um, called Breakthrough with Prayer and Fasting. Um, and the idea behind the series is it's our desire to see God move in and through his people in such a way that breakthrough happens, that strongholds are destroyed, that battles are won, that struggles are overcome. Our desire is to see victory in our lives, breakthroughs in our marriages, overcoming the sin in our lives, broken relationships restored, forgiveness freely given and freely accepted, unity in the body of Christ that is so strong and so passionate that the world will know us by our love for each other. But we're not just looking for breakthrough as, as individuals, but we're looking for breakthrough collectively as a church. Breakthrough that lives sent and shares the love of Christ with our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends. Breakthrough in the lives of those living here in our community in Lakeland, Highland City, Honduras, and beyond. Another reason for this series is because, like Jen talked about, we're getting ready to enter into our church-wide Experiencing God study. And if you haven't signed up for that, to be a part of that, I highly, highly encourage you to do that today. You can go to Next Steps after the service and sign up there. But we're going to go through this Experiencing God study. And we know in order for us to have breakthrough, we have to be seeking God with all that we are. And we have to prepare for that. Now, I grew up in Kentucky and I come from a family full of farmers. And any good farmer knows that you can't just go out and start throwing seed in any empty field. Now you could do that and you might get some things to grow, but it wouldn't amount to very much. And it probably wouldn't be enough to sustain you, much less your family. But if you prepare the field, you get better results. That provides food not just for you and your family, but for others around you. And it's not a process that happens in one day. It often takes weeks to get fields ready to be able to plant seeds. You have to turn or plow that field to remove all the weeds. Then you have to disc the soil to break it up so it's a softer soil that allows the seeds to grow through. Then you have to treat that soil with fertilizer to provide nutrients that the plants will need to grow. And then you plow your rows and sow your seed. So being part of being ready for this experiencing God study and what God wants us to hear and know as we do this individually and as a church together, we have to prepare the fields of our heart. And Brian introduced this to you last week in his sermon when he talked about prayer and fasting. And if you didn't hear his message, man, you need to go and download that from our website or get the podcast because it was a very powerful message. And so today we're going to go a little bit deeper into what Brian talked about last week, specifically when it comes to fasting. And next week, Brian Legg's going to talk about prayer in more depth. So we're going to talk about fasting today. So what does it mean to fast? Fasting is a Christian discipline that's not talked about very much, and it's less practiced. Our modern-day American lifestyle doesn't like to deny ourselves very much. And while there's no specific command that we should fast, I believe that Scripture and Jesus make, himself makes it pretty clear that we're expected to fast. And on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. He says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for fasting. 
I tell you the truth that that is their only reward that they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private, and your father, who sees everything, will reward you. Jesus says, not if you fast, but when you fast. When the disciples of John the Baptist asked Jesus and his disciples why they didn't fast like they did and the Pharisees did, Jesus said to them, he says, do wedding guests mourn the celebration with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away, and we know that Jesus went away, and then they will fast. So Jesus clearly has an expectation that his followers will fast on different occasions. Now the Greek word for fast is nesteo, and it literally means to not eat, to abstain from food. But see, there's more to it than just that. Because biblically, biblical fasting is a believer's voluntary abstinence from food for a spiritual purpose. Without the spiritual purpose, it just becomes a diet. So don't be confused because there are a lot of fasts and cleanses and detox programs that are out there that claim to bring the body, the, the, body, the mind, and the soul all in this special harmony. But fasting in Scripture has never been shown to be a means of heightened spiritual experience, visions, or special insight or awareness, as a lot of mystics claim that that it does. Biblical fasting isn't anything like these New Age teachings. Biblical fasting is a discipline that is rooted in a relationship with Christ and practiced with the desire to become more like Christ. Believers should fast according to biblical teaching and with the purposes that are God-centered. Now, while there is no specific teaching other than what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount about how or why we should fast, there are a number of examples in the Bible that show us different purposes for fasting. And before we get into those purposes, let me say this, that strictly speaking, fasting is abstinence from only food. Every example that we have of fasting in the Bible is the restriction of food in some form. We see three main forms in Scripture. There's normal fasting, absolute fasting, and partial fasting. Normal fasting is the total absence of food. In Luke 4, where Jesus fasted for 40 days in preparation for his temptation from Satan, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. So absolute fasting... Or normal fasting is just fasting from food. Absolute fasting is refraining from food and water. After his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, Paul fasted from food and water for three days. It says Saul picked himself up off the ground. When he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him to Damascus. And he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now, partial fasting is the restriction of the diet rather than complete abstinence. And Daniel did that. Daniel, in his response to his prayer for the people of Israel, fasted from sweets, meat, and wine. Daniel, who had been mourning for three whole weeks, all that time he said, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. So you get this picture of three types of fasting. 
Um, and the length of fasting varied as well. Some fasts were only a day long. Some were as long as 40s, like Jesus' fast. But whether it was a normal fast, an absolute fast, or a partial fast, every biblical example that we have of fasting in the Bible is relegated to the restriction of food in some form or fashion. Now, that's not to say that fasting from other things would not have a spiritual benefit. Because I don't believe the act of fasting from food has as much to do with it as the spiritual purpose behind it does. See, it's a more, to me, it's more of a condition of heart, as I hope to explain as we get deeper into this. So I believe that abstaining from anything or denying ourselves from any activity that we find enjoyment in can be just as powerful as from abstaining from food. Even more so if that activity is taking up so much of our time that it prevents us from focusing on God and it's exerting too much influence on our hearts. So if social media is what is consuming a large portion of your time, it could be that fasting from it for an extended period of time to seek the heart of God would have more benefit than fasting from food. And it doesn't have to just be social media. It could be any of a number of things that people get involved with. You could fast from television, from sports or hobbies. The point is, whatever you fast, it must have a spiritual purpose behind it. If it doesn't, if we're fasting from food and there is no spiritual purpose behind it, then it's just a weight loss fast. And it could be miserable and self-centered and an, a, an experience just about willpower and endurance. See, the Bible gives us a number of different examples and purposes for fasting. One of those purposes is to express grief and sorrow. When God caused the first child born to Bathsheba and David to be taken ill, David fasted while he pleaded for the infant's life. He also fasted when Abner died. David even fasted for the death of Saul, who was trying to kill him. It says in 2 Samuel, David and his men tore their clothes in sorrow when they heard the news, and they mourned and wept and fasted all day for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the Lord's army and the nation of Israel because they had died by the sword that day. Another purpose for fasting was to seek deliverance or protection. King Jehoshaphat proclaimed a national fast in Judah when they were threatened with attack from the Moabites. It says this, he was terrified by the news and he begged the Lord for guidance and he ordered everybody in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. See, from a human standpoint, they could not possibly win and they cried out to God for help, forsaking food as they did so. Queen Esther and her servants and all the Jews in the capital city of Susa fasted for three days before she went before the king to plead for the Jews' lives. Some fasted to expe- express repentance and return to God. David fasted after his double sin of committing adultery with Bathsheba and then sending her, her husband Uriah to the front lines to be killed. He fasted and prayed that God would forgive his sins. When Elijah confronted Ahab with God's judgment for his great wickedness, Ahab tore his clothing and he dressed in burlap and he fasted. And he even slept in burlap and went about in deep mourning. Another purpose for fasting is to seek God's guidance. Daniel did that when he sought answers for the Israelites' 70-year captivity in Babylon. 
He turned to the Lord and he pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. And he wore rough burlap and sprinkled himself with ashes. And as he continued praying, he reports that as I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in an earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of evening sacrifice. And he explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. And that was done through the fast. Both before and after the Holy Spirit directed the church at Antioch to set Barnabas and Saul apart, apart for ministry, the people were praying and fasting. And as Paul and Barnabas spread God's word uh, throughout the nations, they prayed and fasted about who they would appoint as elders in the churches. Now there are a number of other purposes for fasting shown in Scripture. Sometimes people fasted to strengthen their prayers. They fasted to humble themselves before God. They fasted to express concern for the work of God. They fasted to minister to the needs of others. They fasted to overcome temptation. They fasted to express love and worship to God. But in every scriptural account, genuine fasting is linked with prayer. You can pray without fasting, but you cannot fast biblically without praying. Fasting is an affirmation of an intense prayer, a result of a deep struggle before God. It is never an isolated act or a ceremony or a ritual that has some inherent effectiveness or merit on its own. It has no value at all. In fact, it becomes a hindrance when done for any other reason apart from seeking the will of God. And God's will is the key. See, the goal of any fasting linked with prayer should be to seek and follow the will of God. And Brian talked about this a little bit last week. If you remember, he talked about cheetah prayers, where we throw up these five-minute prayers and expect God to move instantly and in great power. But here's what I think the problem is with cheetah prayers. See, it shows the condition of our heart. It shows that we're really not seeking God's will, but we're seeking our own will. Now, please don't get me wrong, because I put myself in this category all the time. Many, many times, I feel like my prayers are all about me. It's about what I can get God to do for me. And I have to be honest, there are times that I ask God to work and move in my life to help me get out from under something that I usually created And when God doesn't miraculously move, I get angry. Or I begin to doubt his ability or his desire to move in my life. See, we sometimes think there's this formula and that all that we have to do is push the right buttons and then God moves. And it doesn't work that way. We get it backwards so many times because our motivation for God to move is often a selfish one. We're demanding of God. We say, God, do this. God, fix this. God, rescue me from this. Brian calls it cheetah prayers. I call it 911 God. We pray to God and we expect to hear God say, 911, this is God, what's your emergency? But see, something switches. Something changes when our outpouring to God is one not motivated from selfish desire but one that seeks to align with the heart of God. Because here's what I think. I think God is always ready to move 
in power. I think he's always ready to move in power. I believe God is always ready to break strongholds in our lives. I believe that God is always ready to heal our marriages and broken relationships. I believe God is always ready to feed the hungry and clothe the poor. I believe that God is always ready for breakthrough and revival. He's always, always, all the time ready. But before revival can happen in our community, before it can happen in our families, before it can happen in our marriages, it has to happen within our hearts. It has to begin in our hearts. And yes, I believe that God is always ready to move, but he has chosen to move through us and in us. And as crazy as that sounds, and it's still baffling to me that God would choose to work through such an imperfect person as me, but that's his plan, and that's his way. But God won't move if we are not in the right position. See, if you're looking for breakthrough in your marriage, but there's still unforgiveness and bitterness and angry outbursts and pride in the mix, then God's not going to move to heal your marriage. I believe he wants to. I believe he wants to heal it. I believe he's ready to heal it. I just don't believe that unless our hearts are humbled and seeking his will, which may very well mean for our hearts to change, which may mean that we need to forgive a great injury, which may mean that we need to stop pointing out the flaws of others, unless our hearts are humbled and seeking his will, we're just not in a position to receive the healing that he has for us. See, there are godly principles here, sowing and reaping. We can't reap until we sow. You have to give first in order to receive. We can't harvest until we've planted. I told you at the beginning, you can't just throw seed on any flat surface. And I think that's what cheetah prayers or 911 God does. It just throws seed anywhere and hopes that it'll grow. But if we truly want breakthrough, if we truly want revival, if we truly want God to move in our lives, then the ground of our hearts have to be prepared, and that takes commitment and time. And I think that's what prayer and fasting does for us. It's the plow. It's the plow that prepares the fields of our hearts. Are you willing to be in it for the long haul? Are you really willing to be open to what God wants to say to you? Are you willing to allow others to speak into your life? Remember, God moves through his people. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to overcome whatever you're facing? James says this about drawing close to God. He says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Now James isn't specifically talking about fasting, but what he's talking about is submission. And that submission is certainly part of the process. See, putting yourself in a place of submission to God's will... So you can't do that if you don't know what God's will is. See, if you want breakthrough, you have to submit to God. He knows we can't be receptive if we're not in submission. 
That's one of the pur- purposes of fasting. Listen to me. It's not that prayer and fasting moves God to action. It's that prayer and fasting puts us in a position to hear and know God's will so then he can move through us. See, we're getting ready to go through this Experiencing God to uh, study together as a church family. And we as a pastors, we believe that God has something he wants to say to us both individually and corporately as TBA Church. We believe that God has big, big plans for this church. We don't know exactly what that looks like or what that is or how that's going to play out. That's why we're going to seek him out. But I believe that revival is on the heart of God. I believe that it is. And I believe that God is ready to move. The question, TBA, is are we ready? Are we ready to hear from him? Because we can't expect to hear from God if we're not humbly submitted to him. We can't expect to talk about growth and revival if we're not willing to do what it takes for that growth and revival. And that growth and revival has to start in us preparing our hearts. We have to prepare our hearts for it. See, part of the reason that we don't fast as mo- as I'm in our modern American church is because the whole concept of self-denial is almost unknown. Dying to ourselves is not something we often practice. Even though Jesus says you must die to yourself in order to find true life. See, we live where instant gratification is the norm, where selfishness is the king. We fill our lives with things that really, in the long run, don't have any eternal significance. And we all too often ignore the most important things. Did you know that the average American spends five hours a day on their mobile phone? Four hours a day watching TV. The average teenager spends nine hours a day on social media. How much time do we spend seeking God's will for our lives? How much time do we spend praying for the salvation of our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, and our family? How much time do we spend giving praise to the creator of the universe? Because I promise you, I promise you, when it's all said and done and you are standing before the judgment seat of Christ, giving account for all that you've done with your life, how many likes you got on your Facebook post isn't really going to add up to much. It's just not. Do we really want breakthrough in our lives? Do we really want revival in our community? Do we really want to seek God with all that we are? Do we really want it? Do we really want it? Are you willing to sacrifice to do that? Are you willing to deny yourself, to put yourself in a position to hear from him? If so, I believe that prayer and fasting is the place that we have to begin. We have to begin there. John Piper says that fasting is an intensification of prayer. It's a physical exclamation point at the end of the sentence. It's saying, we hunger for you to come in power, and it's a cry with our body that says, Lord, I really mean it. I hunger for you. Let me challenge you with this as the band comes up. Like I said, we believe that 
God is calling this body of believers to a two-week period of fasting and prayer that will end at the beginning of experiencing God. Again, we believe this is a critical step for us to be in a position to hear from God. It's completely voluntary, so please don't join in because you feel like it's an expectation or you're doing it out of a sense of guilt. We want it to be completely spirit-led. But can you imagine? Can you imagine how powerful God will move if his people here at TBA Church humbled themselves before the Lord? If we sought him out with all of our hearts and we submitted our wants and our desires and we traded them for his wants and his desires, I believe that God would do more than we could ever possibly imagine. So next Sunday, August the 13th, will be the start of the two weeks of prayer and fasting. And I want to challenge you between now and then, begin asking God what he might be asking of you to commit to during this time. I'm not telling you what you have to do. That needs to be between you and God. But let me give you some examples to help you start thinking. You could certainly fast from food the entire two weeks. Or you could fast one meal once a day. Or you could choose to restrict your diet like Daniel did. But as, as I said, your fast doesn't have to be limited to food. You could fast from TV or other entertainment. You could fast from social media. Probably would help a lot of us if we did that. You could fast from sports or hobbies, exercise, any other activity that you participate on a regular basis. Whatever you fast, it needs to be between you and God. So let God direct you and guide you on what you should fast. But here's the most important part that I want to make sure you get. Remember, fasting has to have a spiritual purpose behind it. And it's always, always accompanied with prayer. So don't just fast TV to fill it up with something else. Use that time that you would be involved in that activity to be on your knees and seek the will of God through prayer worship, and being in his word. I also want to encourage you to be a part of the all-night prayer and worship nights that we're doing. That's part of the process, too, for us to seek God's will is these prayer and worship nights. You can sign up for them in the lobby. My question for you, TBA Church, is this. God has great plans for us. Are you willing to be in a position to hear what they are? I'm excited. I am. I'm excited for what he has planned, and I'm excited to hear what he has to say through experiencing God. I hope you are as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing love and grace and mercy in our life, Lord. And Lord, I know that we don't always honor you with our time and our attention, and God, we ask for forgiveness for that. But God, my prayer would be that we would seek your heart with all that we are, Lord that we would find you worthy of our time and our attention. Lord, that we would be willing to sacrifice a meal, an hour of TV, social media, whatever it is you're calling us to, Lord. We would be willing to trade that for the sweetness of the relationship that you offer us as we seek your heart. God, speak to our hearts today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.